This podcast is dedicated to those that are in the mix, making it happen, and want to do better, better at everything. Each episode, our guest will help us be better, do better, and perform better. We will tackle topics that we all deal with in business and in life. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to listen today. Today's guest will leave you wanting for more and challenge us all to be the best you. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce my guest today, Michael Alasso. He's an award-winning professional director, actor, choreographer, writer, teacher, and coach. I'm sure I could go on and on, but we only have so much time today. He has mentored numerous upper-level managers and has led workshops in dynamic communication with actors and lawyers and business people in many arenas. Thank you, sir, for agreeing to come on the show and share your insights on virtual communication. Chris Whitaker, Chris Whitaker, I'm on a show with Chris Whitaker. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, man. With a response like that, I'm doing much better. Big smile on my face. It's not every day I'm serenaded, as you can imagine. So um, it seems that I need to add Singer to your list of skills. After reading off your impressive bio, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. So please tell us more about the journey that you have taken that has made Michael Alasso. So many things I like about you, Chris, and that's one of them right now, especially during this time. Rather than just asking people questions and getting, hey, what is your workshop called? You want to know more about personalities. Now's really the time to do that. So I appreciate your asking that, Chris. All four of my grandparents were born in Italy. So they came to this country as immigrants and they came looking for the American dream. I mean, America, the Mecca. And what they did was they did everything they could to assimilate to this country. They were so proud to be here and so wanted to be Americans. Both my parents were born here, but both my parents are on the younger end of their siblings. My mother's the baby. My, my father's the youngest son of, I, I think, about a dozen kids. And they had older siblings who were born in Europe, but they were born here. And they are a huge part of who I am because the one adjective I would describe for both of them is grateful. They, they were grateful for all the things they were offered, and they both wanted to create things for their children that they didn't have, that kind of old-fashioned American dream. So neither of them graduated from high school. They both dropped out in the 10th grade to support their families. My dad worked on a farm. And for my brothers and I, and I'm the middle of three boys, it was all about education, believing in American education. And they provided for me and made that dream happen and supported the three of us in anything we wanted to do because their pride was huge. And that support, that sense of gratitude has pretty much defined who I am today. Thank you for sharing that. Family is a fantastic foundation to build on. And I can only imagine the stories you have growing up in an Italian family with two other brothers. Another key word I heard you say reminds me of the saying, you know, have an attitude of gratitude. Having family in Italy, I understand you also love to travel. What was your favorite trip and why? Whew, that's almost like asking which of my kids is my favorite, Chris. You know, it's, uh, and you're an army veteran, Chris. You can appreciate, uh, my dad was too. And so going back to see the country that 
my ancestors were born in was probably the best trip I ever took. And even though I didn't go to the exact provinces, villages where my parents' ancestors are from, going to Italy was life-changing. I'm a devout Catholic. And so being in those churches, going to the Vatican, it's just absolute goosebump material. And this whole melange of history, art, food, culture, warmth, fashion, these are things that I love. And you can sit on those steps in Rome and watch people go by. And it's some of the most glamorous, energetic, vibrant, warm people you'll ever see in your life. I was like a little boy through that whole trip. And I spent a ton of time in Florence, all the way down to Siena. I rented a car so I could drive like Italians, which hold on to your hat, Chris. It's, it's crazy. One of the scariest things I've ever done was try to drive out of Rome, try to find my way out of Rome driving. It was so scary. I think I circled Rome a half a dozen times before I found my way out. It was a breathtaking trip. I bought things that I, I will always keep you know, to remember that, like little street vendors in Florence that sold little leather things. I got them and I'm going to keep them as a remembrance. And uh, that I would put at the top, though, I have to say, I could never leave America and I would be very happy with my traveling. I've now spoken in 48 of the 50 states, Chris. So let me tell you, our country is beautiful. America is beautiful. And each trip I take, I find something new and proud about our country. Yes, I agree 100%. I can see you in Italy having the time of your life. I'm sure you made many new friends. Your story about driving out of Rome reminded me of uh, the movie European Vacation going round and round the uh, roundabout, uh, almost lost anyway. I'm glad you made it back, though. How to be a better communicator. I see on your website you're doing online sessions titled You, know, you on Your Best Zoom Day. Tell me more about that and why is it necessary? I recently read, Chris... Uh, a Stanford economist said something like 46% of the American workforce is working from home. And like all statistics, I'm sure that's misleading. I'm sure some people are working from home because they absolutely have no choice. They have to work from home now. Uh, but the fact remains, Chris, that we're, wherever we're going in the future, that statistic is apt to grow rather than decrease. Many, many people are now working from home, including me. The last flight I took was March 11th. And you're right, I had to reinvent myself. And so I've done about 150 of these You and Your Best Zoom days. What I'm doing is, formally, we had to be theater stars. We had to show up in person and perform live for our teams, whether it be a formal speech, an informal speech, a meeting. Many of those have now translated to virtual. So suddenly, no longer are we just theater stars. We have to be TV stars. And what I never thought about before, Chris, was all my training as a film actor, TV actor, suddenly reaped dividends in my coaching and my teachings to executives. 
some of the things that I was doing for years and years, seemingly organically, that I had learned somewhere along the way, now we all had to do. We all had to look into a lens of a camera and communicate across without being in the same room as people and understanding how they felt, understanding how they reacted, communicating with them in a way that impacts their lives. And so you and your best Zoom day has done exactly that. It's not, it's not that my program teaches you how to do green screens and how to do breakout rooms and use the chat more effectively. That's a tiny percentage of what I do. It's there, there are technical people that can help all of us with that. I'm working on that every day to be better and better. I do work on the fact that we now have to be lighting designers, costume designers, set designers, sound designers. You and I, our sound has to be so incredible on this interview. Well, guess what? When you do a virtual meeting, yep, your sound is super important. So I work on all that. At least as important, if not more so, is how do you make the people on the other end of the screen seen and heard? How do you make them feel valued? What is it that you're doing to connect with them? Are you simply making an excuse that, oh my goodness, I can't be with you in person, so how could I ever be as excellent? Or are you taking that obstacle and turning it into an opportunity? So I've been doing those workshops pretty regularly. Uh, I, I did them for other people for a while, and now I'm doing them on my own, and they sell out as soon as I do them. The next one I'm doing is December 1. People need this right now more than ever. Yes, I agree. And that's the only way I've been doing meetings lately. Something I've noticed is that some are more prone to turn their cameras on than others. Why do you think that is, and how should I handle those situations? Chris, I always think the best of people. So I start by thinking, you know what? Maybe some people are juggling being a full-time parent and being full-time in my meeting. And they're having kids climb in their lap while they're trying to feed the child, take care of the child while they're attending my meeting. So the good Michael says they're doing it because they want to be more respectful, not less respectful. The bad Michael says, ah, it's just so much easier to keep my camera off. Then I can answer a couple of emails while I listen to you. I can read the newspaper. I can look out the window. I can actually leave for a while and you won't even notice. I always ask people to turn on their cameras because I want to be able to see them so that I can help them more, watch their reactions. So if someone chooses to not turn on their camera rather than make a judgment, I ask them why. I ask them, why, why are you keeping your camera off? And you know what, Chris? Nine times out of 10, as soon as I ask why, with no tone, no judgment, the person turns on their camera. And, or, they, or they'll turn on their camera and say, oh, but I look so awful today. And you know what? I look at them and I say, wow, you look so much better than me. We're so self-critical. And it, it, I'm, I'm self-critical. I hate looking at myself in, in the screen and seeing what I look like. I always make my, my picture smaller so I don't have to look at myself. I get it. And yet, in order to connect more effectively, if we can see each other, see into each other's eyes, watch, that helps us do a better job. And it keeps us more in our A game if we know someone is seeing us. That helps us to be more excellent. 
Great answer, and I love those tips. I will be using those. You know, it's such an obvious thing. Uh, why don't you have your camera on instead of thinking, man, I wish they would turn on their camera. Are they even paying attention? <laughs> so thank you for that. You have a checklist, and I love it, describing you on your best day. Are there common areas that most people struggle with, and how do you coach them through these areas? Yes, I would say there are common areas that many of us struggle with. They come in the categories of energy, focus, and feedback, giving and receiving. I would say, Chris, those are the three biggest areas of struggle. And so what I work with is how do you get your energy to be maximum when you come into the room, when you turn on the screen? And in turn, how do you maximize the energy of those people on the other side of the screen or in the room? That's question one. Number two, focus and concentration. As we alluded to earlier, Chris, everybody's multitasking all the time. How do you get people to focus only on the event? And the hard part about number the energy, the number one thing I talked about and focus, the number two thing, right now, Chris, is there's no separation between act one and act two. Do you know what I mean by act one and act two, Chris? No, I don't think so. Act one is what we're doing right now, our business life. We're doing a podcast. We're trying to make people better. Act two is our personal life, our wife, our kids, the time you spend with Phoebe. You know, and I'll tell you this, Chris, any play I've ever directed or seen, act two is more important than act one. And so what we have to work on is that same energy and focus that we give to act one when we're our most excellent. We have to give at least that much to act two. And people are struggling with that. And one of the reasons why we're struggling, it goes back to this whole virtual world that many of us are in. There's no intermission between act one and act two anymore. So if I came and visited you to do an in-live, uh, an in-person interview, well, when we finish, I can go to a coffee shop, sit down for a while, and then call Peggy, my wife, and check in with her when I'm ready. Today, as soon as the interview's over, there she is on the other side of the door. No intermission. So energy and focus have become top, top priorities. And the third is feedback, giving, and receiving. How do I give feedback to someone else? How do I receive the feedback they give me? Am I giving feedback? Or am I assuming if I switch to virtual, how could I possibly give feedback anymore? How does that up my game to give better feedback? What does that feedback look like? And then how do I receive the same? I like how you touched on feedback, giving and receiving. And I feel like a lot of us are pretty good at giving feedback. Well, at least the act of giving. I know I can always do better on how I deliver it. Listening to you talk, it made me think, uh, in order to receive your coaching and address these areas of energy and focus and feedback, self-awareness is a big part of it. You being a self-awareness specialist, uh, share with us how would one become more self-aware? What does that mean? And do you think it's natural for people to be self-aware? Chris, do you know the term micro-messaging? Does that term mean anything to you? Hmm. Yes. The communications we give by our mannerisms or maybe our body language. 
Good job, brother. I'm proud of you, man. That was a great answer. Yeah, some psychologist, Chris, about 60 years ago, came up with this formula that said that only 7% of communication is content, and then 93% is everything else that I work on with people. And that 93% is micro-messaging. It's the car you drive. It's the clothes you wear. It's do you call people by name? Do you walk in in the morning, go directly to your office, do not pass go, do not say hello, do not collect $200? Or do you walk in in the morning, say hello to people, call them by their name, ask them how their night was? These are micro messages. And what I'm finding is that people are not very aware of the micro messaging that they're sending. So small examples, you do a meeting and someone scowls at you the whole meeting. And if I tell the person, are you aware that you're scowling? Oh, very often, Chris, the person says, I am so into this. I'm loving every second. Well, in America, we associate scowling at somebody as being disdainful, as disagreeing. So here's the paradox about micromessaging and why a self-awareness specialist is so important. I don't take just one micromessage from you, two micromessages from you. I take a collection, an amalgam. But that's what a communication specialist does. That's what a self-awareness specialist does. Are your people that good? Are your families? Because any one micromessage you send, they're going to respond to. And they often go to the lowest common denominator. So I'm not trying to tell people what micro messages to send. I'm telling you, you're sending them. And so we want to be our most authentic self, our best, most authentic self. What a lot of people don't think about right off the bat is that authenticity requires intentionality. So if you deeply respect me and your authentic self is a person who runs podcasts with deep respect for their listeners, but you cut me off on every sentence and every thesis I come up with, you say, I disagree with that. And you don't start on time and you don't end on time. Well, wait a minute. Those behaviors, those micro messages don't connote the authentic person you say you are. If you tell me that your life partner is the most important person in your life, and at the end of the workday, you walk into the house with a, a smartphone attached to your ear at, on a business call, and when you finish, you check your emails, and then you check your snail mail, then you get a snack, and 45 minutes later, you seek out your life partner, wait a minute. I'm going to tell you either that you're lying about who your authentic self is, or with intentionality you must choose the micro messages that connote your authentic self. And that's what I'm doing as a self-awareness. Wow. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised or I should put words in your mouth, but it seems like so many of the challenges and issues in our lives could be solved with great communication skills and self-awareness. Is that true? I would agree with you. I would totally agree with you. It's, and, and now's the time to do it more than ever, because now we be need to be more empathetic than ever. Now we, we need to consider other people. And so when you heighten your self-awareness about the micro messages you send, how you're coming across, inevitably you become more compassionate, more empathetic, more understanding of where somebody else is coming wow. from. Wow. 
So kind of moving on to another topic that you're an expert in, and, and again, I'm just fascinated by, is public speaking. Are great speakers born or are they made? Have you ever read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? Not yet, but something tells me it should be on my list. <laughs> yeah, and I think your listeners should. I like Malcolm Gladwell. He's good. Chris, I'm often called by a mom of a little five-year-old girl. And the mom will say to me, oh, Michael, I want you to work with my daughter. She's really talented. Do you know what she typically means, Chris? She typically means that the little girl is really pretty and has a big mouth. <laughs> the thing about talent speakers, are they born or made? You know, uh, two people audition for me for a play. And auditioner one is a natural speaker, naturally talented. And they're very aware of it. And they come in with all those skills. And person two maybe isn't as uh, naturally organic in that direction. But that person takes direction and listens. I usually hire the second person because the second person, by the time we open, has gone through the roof with their skills and talents, whereas the first person stays right about where they are. I, I do suppose some of us come out of the womb with a little bit of something extra than somebody else, but everything that I talk about can be learned. I think people can learn. If people care and are earnest, people are excellent learners and you give them skills and you help them to create those skills in an authentic way rather than a cookie cutter way where we say, oh, well, everybody's the same. No, what works for you may not work for the next person. So I think anybody has the opportunity to be a great speaker. Well, that's great news. That's great news for people like me and, and so many of my colleagues and friends that are listening. Um, there you go. I, I just did something I, I'm, I'm going to talk about. So, you know, while I got you here, I'd be remiss if I didn't selfishly ask you this question for me personally. Something that I've struggled with, I feel like my whole life is saying, um, and occasionally stuttering when I get excited. What are some techniques that I can use to overcome these? Well, let's start with the second one, because stuttering is a speech impediment. Um, isn't. And Vice President Biden used to be a stutterer and actually still is. If you listen carefully, sometimes when he gets into a speech, he'll stutter. And stuttering is, is an impediment. Some people have it. And so you go to a speech therapist and you can work on it. Beyond that, beyond the therapy part of it, for me, the stutterers that I've coached, a lot of it is about confidence. A lot of it is about not thinking that the stutter is a bad thing because many of us do some form of stuttering when we get excited. So what I'd like you to think about, Chris, is so what if you stutter? Look what you just diagnosed. Talk about self-awareness. You stutter when you get excited. Well, what did I say was the number one thing people come to me for with help that I'm working on? Energy. Energy is excitement. Energy is enthusiasm. So anyone listening to this podcast can tell how genuinely enthusiastic you are. 
And that's one of your secret sauces. So occasionally that's going to make you stutter. Now, so that's step one, I mm -hmm. say, about the stutter. So what? I love it. Let's embrace it. Let's feel good about it. Because the more you worry about it, the more you're going to stutter. So that's kind of intellectual. If Number two is, if you took more breaths, I notice often when you speak, you keep right on speaking and there's never a breath in between sentences. So right. Mozart said, it's not the notes that makes the music. He said it's the spaces in between the notes. Miles Davis, the great jazz musician, he had his own version of that. It's the space between the notes. So for stutterers, what I try to create are more rests. Because when you have a rest, it's more likely that the next thing out of your mouth after the rest is not going to stutter. As far as the um goes, welcome to the club. We call those filler words. People use um, people use like, people use you know, people use right, right? People use so, all those are filler words. So step one is you gotta put the little Chris Whitaker on your shoulder that yells on you every time you use a filler word. Knock it off, Chris. Now, if that doesn't work, you got a partner. Phoebe's 19, right, Chris? Actually, she just turned 20. Just turned 20. Happy birthday, Phoebe. So Phoebe's age would be a great candidate. Yes. <laughs> so imagine if you said to Phoebe, Phoebe, this guy, Michael Alasso, I work with, he wants you to be my police officer. And so you ask Phoebe that every time you say the um, she's going to say um back to you. Now, Chris, you have to be the enforcer of this. So you can't give Phoebe carte blanche. If you give her carte blanche, you let her do it anytime. But Phoebe might be dead by the end of this. So what you got to say to Phoebe is, Phoebe, tonight during dinner, not during dessert, not during appetizers, but during dinner, every time I say um, will you say um back? What we find is that Pavlovian external impact helps you to get rid of the filler words. And that's one of the ways you can get rid of those filler words. I had a client from the UK and his filler was that he would always end each sentence by trailing off and then saying so. So you never really heard the last three words of his sentence. So that was his version of filler. So I gave him the note over and over again. Finally, in his last coaching, I said, you know what, Mike, today I'm going to scream every time you do that. He said, well, all right, that seems appropriate. Let's do it. Today, we're going to talk about deregulation. Ah, about, uh, deregulation is very prevalent in the gas industry. Ah! He no longer does that mannerism. Now, he has a very bad tick, but he no longer does that mannerism. So what we learn, Chris, is external stimuli the Toastmasters program will have people sit in the back of the room, count them. You know, we, that's one way of getting rid of those. Either of those things helpful? Yes, very helpful. And I appreciate that. I hate to even have a time limit on this conversation. I, I feel like we could go on and on and on, but unfortunately we can't. We both have other things to do, like get to act two. So for those listening, how can they learn more about you and the areas you specialize in. Go to michaelalasso.com. My website is filled with free information, links. You can learn things. And if you want to take a deep dive, I'm doing a three-hour deep dive on Tuesday, December 1st. 
and that was just added. So there are slots available. I'm making it a maximum of 25 people so that it's intimate. And what I'm doing with those three hours is I'm doing hands-on coaching of all 25 people to get them to be their best, both virtually and in person, focusing on the new virtual communications, but using those same skills to translate to in-person. Thank you for asking that, Chris. You are most welcome, Michael. It sounds like a fantastic session. So if you're listening and you are interested, better check it out now at his website, michaelalasso.com. His link is in the show notes. Well, you know, it's funny. I am really focusing now on taking a breath while maintaining my energy. And, of course, my feedback for you, sir. Well done. Thank you for your sense of humor, the beautiful serenade at the beginning, and your expert insight on how to communicate better in these new times we are living. I really enjoyed our time together, Michael. Thank you. You are a genuine, kind soul. Right back at you, Chris. Everybody, go use your voice. Now's the time. People want to hear you. Today's podcast is sponsored by Sierra Wireless. Sierra Wireless simplifies the IoT, delivering you the device, software, and service solutions you need to accelerate your data-driven transformation. Oh,